What's an M. Night? M. Night Shyamalan, the Indian filmmaker from Philly. Oh my God, this dude's a big deal. He always you know puts some I mean? like awesome twist at the end of his movies to trick the audience. Oh yeah, yeah, like like in The Sixth Sense, you find out that the dude um, in that hairpiece the whole time, that's Bruce Willis the whole movie. That's not the twist. That's not the twist of that movie. That wasn't the twist. No. Welcome to the M. Night Shift, the podcast where we review and discuss the career of M. Night Shyamalan. I'm AJ Gonzalez, a movie blogger and video store clerk. And I'm Brian Connolly, also a video store guy. All right. At Vulcan Video, wonderful Austin, Texas. Oh boy, I am excited about this episode. Me too. Apologies for the delay, but we are finally back together. Yeah, I had some intense uh, eye surgery in September, so I could not see any movies. And when I was able to, strangely, I didn't want to pick the happening. <laughs> so I wanted something else instead. But I'm back. My vision's still a little blurry. Can't drive. But I was able to see uh, enough to be able to watch the happening for us All to do right. this episode for our Shocktober Halloween episode. Yes, at the at Vulcan Video, we refer to the month of October as Shocktober, the most wonderful time of the year. The best, I think, my favorite time to work at a video store because to oh, me, yes. Halloween in the month of October that that is the time when you rent movies. Like I, when I was a kid and a teenager and a college student and so on, like that was always the best time to like go in with your friends. And just kind of go to the horror section and just pick. Usually what's left, because like all the big famous stuff would be gone, and so you'd have to go into sort of weirder, you know, back alleyways of horror movies and find some true discoveries. That is how I that is how I saw The Last House on the Left for the first time in college. That movie's good. That was yeah, it was a really good, intense, uh, horrific movie to watch. <laughs> uh, really, really freaked out all the people we were watching it with. That's how I watched Pieces. You ever seen Pieces? Yeah, the Spanish slasher. Because it was like all the famous ones were rented, so I was like, okay, what's this one? And in the long run, it ended up being one of my more favorite. I think yeah, my second favorite slasher film after Sleepaway Camp, oh, which is wow. number one for me. Which also has a Shyamalan twist. It does. It does have one of the most famous (laughs) twists in horror movie history. Everyone at camp was a ghost. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, we're back. We're doing the happening. But first, of course, as always, we must talk about our delicious scotch. And this, this, we got a little fancier this time. We, you know, because why not? Like, we skipped a month. I figured, you know, live a little. So we got the uh, Glen Moray. Moray, is that how you say it? Yeah, I'd say Moray. That's Glen Moray, uh, Speyside Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. I believe our first single malt that we've had. Yes. Because this yes. is some fancy stuff. Elgin Heritage. See, I know my vision's getting better because I can read all the small print on this. You know a scotch is fancy when it comes in a box. It's, it reminds me of like when CDs were first fancy and you had to buy in a big box. Yeah. And you knew that you were buying something more fancy than a record. Same thing with scotch. If it's in a box, and you know, you know, you, you paid more than eight bucks. Um, so since 1897, wow! And uh, this is an aged 12 years American cask, a wonderful balance of American oak, infused vanilla, and berry fruits. Master distiller Graham Cole, distilled and matured in Scotland. And let's see, is there any story? There's always there's gonna be a story. Oh, there! Oh, wow! What a story this one's got. Well, first, there's a quote from Graham Cole saying the same thing that it said on the front. 
fully matured in American oak casks to produce a wonderfully sweet, well-balanced whiskey rich in vanilla and fruit. Do you, you taste that? You taste the vanilla and fruit? Mm. I think I do, I do taste uh, I do taste the vanilla. This is the best one. This is the best one we've had so far. Oh yeah. When you say like most definitely, that's really good. We got to make sure not to you know chug it like we do the normal <laughs> swill that we get. All right, so this is uh, the story here. We're gonna learn. The Glenmorey Distillery has been producing single malt Scotch whiskey since the 19th century in Elgin, the capital of Speyside, Scotland's most famous whiskey region. Just funny because we live close to another town called Elgin, yeah. famous for sausage. Yes. Uh, Glenmore, 12 year old single malt whiskey, has been carefully matured in select American oak casks to create a smooth, sweet character combined with subtle oak flavors. A whiskey that exhibits all the traditions and character of the famous Space Egg region. And here's something cool I've not seen this before. It has like a guide to how to enjoy the whiskey. I think if you're paying, you know, like. More than enough money, like it, it's like going to it's like going to college. They want to make sure you learn something. So we have the color spelled the fancy way with a U. Ooh, ooh, my favorite way to spell <laughs> color. The color a polished gold. Sure, isn't that kind of what most Scotch looks like? And it's kind um, of you know. Yeah, maybe it maybe it's lighter. It is a little more polished. The nose, rich, sweet, fruity, and floral. Intense vanilla coffee or toffee. Combined with berry fruits and freshly chopped herbs, man, you gotta really see. I'm not, I'm not wise enough yet to pick up. Like I can be like, I can taste yeah, vanilla. vanilla. Okay, toffee. Yeah, okay, give me a little fruit. But once you get into freshly chopped herbs, like you have to, have the, you have to be a real expert on that. Uh, maybe it's, I, maybe I can taste like a like an herby, earthy flavor there. Hmm. And then for t- uh, for taste. We have well, that was the nose. The nose has the the herbs on it. Yeah, oh, okay. the taste is classically classically Speyside, smooth, deliciously sweet and mellow. Summer fruits, toffee again, and toasted oak flavors with a U create a wonderful balance. Finish the finish, lingeringly sweet with a subtle oak finish. There you go. Well, gosh darn, ain't that fancy. And this bottle has a, uh, a cork, not a... Uh, not a screw top. Not a screw top. <laughs> yeah. It's in a glass bottle? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so to the movie uh, we're doing today, and thanks again for anyone who suffered through our hour-long review of the 20-minute episode of Entourage. <laughs> yes, an extra special thank you <laughs> to all of those who are still subscribing to us. <laughs> But uh, we're doing The Happening, the notorious uh, film, The Happening. And uh, whose turn is it to do the... Uh... Um, I, be- I think it's your turn. Oh, I've, yeah. I talked about Entourage. Yeah. Okay. So The Happening. Here it is. It's easy. This is a simple one. A bunch of people start, you know, just acting all weird. You see people free. They kind of walk, and then all of a sudden they stop walking. And they, it's not like a zombie. They just straight up stop. It's almost like freeze frame. And then... They just kill themselves. And this is happening in parks, strangely. Uh, and it's happening, it's kind of starting on the East Coast. It's kind of going on in New York and in Philadelphia. And then we cut to just your regular old science teacher, Mark Wahlberg, you know, teaching the kids about science. And he tells it in a more fun way for like the kids to really get into it. And he's teaching the kids about science and they're talking about bees and like, 
why are the bees disappearing? And then one like cool kid is like, I don't care. And he's like, hey, cool kid, you better care because science will make you ugly someday. And the kid's like, oh, no. And he's like, yeah, believe it. You better believe in science because it's going to make you ugly. It's going to make your nose and ears grow so you're an ugly old man. And the kid's like, oh, no. Well, what happened to the bees? And the answer was, we don't know. It's like, you know, all the science and experiments, it's only going to be a theory and it's just kind of playing into this sort of Shyamalan, gotta have faith. It's or it's um, just the, the, the wonder. He's gonna get into the wonder and mystery of science. Yes, and the, go, I don't know. The answer that this science teacher accepts and tells his class, it's an act of nature, and we'll never know, <laughs> is, um, is the opposite of science, actually. <laughs> it is the exact opposite of science. That's scientists are just sort of like, I don't know, just, you know, just gotta, just know, whatever, make some shit up. Like, no, we'll figure it out. Truck. That's why, you know, scientists and religious people agree all the time on the same thing. Yes. They're just like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, just gotta, you know, sure. And so he, so then he gets pulled out of class, uh, and then they, they tell the teachers to go home by Cameron from Ferris Bueller's yes, Day Off, this is, who is the um, principal of the school, I'm, yes, I'm guessing. Yes, uh, 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 I would, cons- I would consider it a cameo because that's how I think of Alan that Ruck. Is definitely, but it was probably him getting work. Yeah, um, you know, but, uh, but this know. this was my favorite part of the movie: <laughs> seeing Alan Ruck. Uh, saw Alan Ruck at a gas station once, and he commented on a rental car Whoa. that the tires looked a little low. Hey, what a nice guy! He had a big beard. He looked like Grizzly Adams. Either Whoa. that was for a part, or because he's Alan Ruck and his twisted and he's just like. Unemployed. Uh, sorry, Alan Ruck, if you're a listener. And then, you know what? The only time I've seen someone excited about a celebrity at Casino was I overheard an eavesdrop of someone saying they had just gambled with Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Who? You know what? Let's go on a little Alan Ruck t- tangent for a second. Very good in that show Spin City. He was great in Spin City. And very good in the movie Speed. Yes. So we should, not, we should not badmouth him being an out-of-work actor because he's no. a great actor. He is, is, you know, he was great in Speed. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Twister. He was. Uh, what did he really? Yeah, he was one of the tornado chasers. He was a uh, Jan de Bont go-to oh. extra or like uh, minor character. Maybe we should do a Jan de Bont uh, podcast. Oh. <laughs> you do the cinematographer and you hey, go into the director, right? And those are not so good. <laughs> you start with Paul Verhoeven movies and you end with God. What was the last movie Jan de Bont did? Oh, I. Don't know. Do you remember the graph that we used to have at Vulcan, yes. the Yandebont uh, The Yandebont career graph. It was a perfect right triangle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like starts yeah. out great. <laughs> like speed and then or like twister and then boom. I like twister, I like speed. Alright, so back back to this movie, back to this podcast. So then uh, these they send the teachers home saying like there's some terrorist attack going on. They assume it's like a terrorist attack and some sort of like chemical warfare thing going on. Uh, so everyone's freaking out. Everyone gets sent home, which is a great thing to do. Just be like, yeah, kids, run off. Just like go run off into the city and make your way home. You know, there's, de- there's disaster outside. Like, what, peace be with you. And uh, so he, so he's on his way out. He runs into his math teacher friend, John Leguizamo. Oh, and, if there uh, was ever a math teacher... It was John Leguizamo. <laughs> Every other line of dialogue from him is reminding you that he's a math teacher. Yes, <laughs> and uh, we'll get back to that later. And there's a little allusion to they talk about 
Mark Wahlberg's dud of a wife who doesn't seem to like him and just seems bummed out on their wedding day, which is, you know, would, the right thing to bring up to someone when you're dealing with a possible, you know, like, nationwide Oh, by the way, I saw your wife crying she on their wedding depressed. day. Like, thanks. Like, we're already being sent home because we're told we might die, and now you're going to rub it in my face. Then my marriage is going to shit. Thanks, math teacher John Leguizamo. And I don't remember any character's names, so I'm just going to refer to them as the actors' names. Yeah. Uh, so then the everyone's sort of like leaving the city and kind of uh, getting out of the city in a less panicked train station than you think it would be. Mm-hmm. And Zoe Deschanel shows up, who is uh, Mark Wahlberg's sad-ass wife. And they all go off into the country to like kind of escape this terrorist attack. Uh, the train stops, and they just kind of dump everyone off, being like, all right, uh, deal with it. Sorry, we're not going to your destination. Why? Well, we lost communication. And it turns out that this thing is spreading. More and more people are kind of freezing up and then killing themselves, freezing up and then killing themselves. And it's they run into a botanist uh, played by Frank Collison, I think you say his name, a great actor. He's in a lot of David Lynch stuff. You'd recognize him. He's a very, his eyes don't quite line up. And he, he's amazing. He's an amazing actor. Uh, but he plays a botanist who loves to talk about hot dogs, which is the best part of the whole movie, the only good part of this movie probably. And then... He uh, says, you know, I think this is plants because, you know, like plants have this events mechanism. And I think this is a way for plants to kind of be like, we're done with you people. Like, you know, like we're the environment is getting bad. And then you start to realize, oh, yeah, I think it is plants. And, oh, this is basically M. Night Shyamalan's Inconvenient Truth. This is him warning us about global warming and how the plants are getting mad. And so then you find out that, yeah, the plants are kind of releasing some sort of evil allergy in the air that makes people freeze up and kill themselves. And it's never fully proven that that is actually what's happening, but there's tons of scenes of people running away from the wind and yeah. tons of like, it basically starts to feel like a horror version of a Terrence Malick film where you see <laughs> lots of grass blowing, lots of wind blowing, uh, but it's more intense and people run away. And so the whole time, like all these people keep killing themselves, including main characters, including math teacher, John Leguizamo, and the whole time, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel are kind of like, oh, there's the wind, quick, run this way, away from the wind, as if you can kind of run away from wind and dodge it, you know. Pretty sure you can't do Zigzag from wind. Uh, wind is air, which is what we breathe, but, you know, it's okay. And so then they end up in this house, and it's almost like another weird part of the movie where it kind of takes a weird direction where they're with this creepy lady played by, what, what's her name? She's Sandy Buckley. She, from Carrie. She's one of the teachers in Carrie. Yeah. Is she the teacher in Carrie? Um, is she like the one that kind of takes care of her? Or she is one of the teachers. She's one of the teachers. Okay. That gym, or wait, is she the gym teacher? I can't. No, the gym teacher is Miss somebody, Miss something. You know, um, we should have you know done our research. Yeah. Here we are. Well, we I thought know. just saying that she was in Carrie was good enough. Good enough. And uh, you'll recognize her later. She is in Split as the psychiatrist yes. uh, taking care of uh, you know, people in that movie. But she was also in Eight is Enough. If you're old enough to remember that show. If you're old enough to remember Eight is Enough? Is she yeah. one of the eight? Or uh, she she's the, eight? the mom of the eight. Oh! Is it a mom and a bunch of kids, or is there a dad? There's a dad. There. Is Dick Van Patten in Eight is Enough, or is that another Possibly. Show? I also did not look <laughs> at Eight. I thought that would just be enough. <laughs> you know what? Eight is enough. <laughs> but, uh, so they go to this lady's house, and she, like, lives a life with no electricity, no contact with the outside world. And they show up all panicked, like, oh, God, the wind, the plants are dying. Um, 
And she's like, I don't want to hear about it. I want to hear about it. And you see not so subtly that there's a picture of her with a soldier. And you assume that she had a husband or boyfriend who was a soldier and he died in Vietnam or whatever. And then she just got depressed and shut out the world because she doesn't want to know about the world. And she's very strange and very kind of like not trusting these people, but trust enough to let them sleep in her house and eat her food. And then she freaks out when Mark Wahlberg finds her weird doll collection where they're laying like life-size dolls laying on a bed. Sure. Not all creepy. And she owns a house from the underground railroad. They they don't call it the underground railroad. They call it some weird, she says it in some weird way as if she didn't know what the underground railroad was. It was just sort of like, so weird. uh, where, Where she talks about like, there's these places where the people hid when the slave, when the people went after slaves. There was some weird thing where it's like, just say Underground Railroad. We know what that is. And so then the end of the movie is Zoe Deschanel and math teacher John Leguizamo's daughter are in sort of the extra little house uh, away from this old lady's house. And then Mark Wahlberg's in sort of this other little room. But they can hear each other through this intense extensive pipe system where they were where back in the day people talk to the slaves and keep them a secret or whatever and then he finds out they're there but then he's like i can't see you all the wind all the pollen are all gonna die like fuck it i'm gonna walk to you like i need to be with you i love you like I, like this is like if i'm gonna die i'm gonna be in your arms so he goes outside and he braves the evil plant wind and then it doesn't like nothing happens he's fine and then newsflash yeah the plant stopped they didn't stop it's over and they're like, okay. And then that's pretty much the end of the movie. <laughs> and then, or, it, or is it? Because then you're in gay Paris, and all of a sudden the same thing happens. The, the, dun, the dun, end dun, of the movie. That's basically, to me, that like, this is the least complex uh, Shyamalan movie, hands down. Like This is like the most basic logline, I feel, of any of his movies. You're right about that. Like, I feel like... It's just like, like, I feel like that plot is, it's, there's nothing there... And the char- there's really no big character stuff. You, you, you find out that Zoe Deschanel had lunch she with had, a guy at work. She had dessert. She had tiramisu. And she felt guilty about it. And, and then Mark Wahlberg's like, during this horrible tragedy, after they've watched people die, he lies that he flirted with some lady in a, a store. And then she gets her feelings hurt. And then you're like, why would you do that? You just saw like children die. And this is what you do when you play these games. And then they get back together in the end, and it's fine. And like, there's no, and like you said with John Leguizamo talking about math, like that's how every character is. Like, his character just talks about math. The botanist just talks about botany. Mark Wahlberg tries to talk about science a lot. So yeah, Zoe Deschanel is sad all the time. Sad, like, she just talks about like being sad, how yeah, like, like uh, shitty humanity is. Yeah. Like she's uh, like watching the news. And just like, oh, like this one, we thought people couldn't get any crappier. Yeah. This thing happens. And then there's a close up of a, a newspaper headline of like people murdered for no reason, you know, something to that effect, like murders on the rise. Yeah. Um, so, where, gosh, where yeah. do we even begin about this movie? Like, it's. Let's just be honest. This movie's bad. It's a bad movie. This is bad. I'll say. It's, it's, it's the worst movie. We've seen so far, and like the other movie, like Lady in the Water and the vill- in the Village are failures, but they are artistic failures. Like those are movies that were like they he aimed high and he aimed for something, but it didn't work. It didn't translate well. Whatever he had in his mind didn't work as a movie. It still feels like there's a lot of skill, skill uh, going on, like craft, uh, like a filmmaker who's still 
has a vision and is still going somewhere, even though the vision isn't maybe one that we want. This was like <laughs> his first attempt at like just a straight up horror movie. Like it doesn't really have. Well, I mean, it's probably supposed to have themes that we're all that we all need to think about afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It doesn't. Those themes don't land. Yeah. And when you're watching it, like you don't really pick up on that. It's just it's just trying to uh, thrill you and put you in suspense. And there's nothing. There's you know there's no scenes about people talking about like faith or their purpose in life. And that's what made like what made his other movies so good, like like Signs and the Unbreakable and Sixth Sense, is that it's about the characters. It's about yeah. what they're going through. And like like Unbreakable is a great example. It's like your plot is basically yeah, it's a superhero origin story, but it's brought in and it's made interesting because you have this these interesting people. It's more more so than the 2D characters that you normally get in a comic book movie, you know? And this one, you don't get that. <laughs> you don't get that depth that, uh, like, maybe this is him just trying to do a breezy movie. Maybe he had to because Lady in the Water was such a failure. Because the movie feels cheap. Like, I, I'm sure it wasn't because it's Hollywood and it has Mark Wahlberg in it and it's M. Night Shyamalan still. But it just kind of... The, the production value seems like it's been halved since Lady in the Water. Like, they're not... A lot of the scenes are in the woods or in a field. The camera work is not as striking. Which is unfortunate uh, because... That's usually is, what stands out. Like, yeah. this last movie was shot by Christopher Doyle, for God's sake. And this movie and is shot by Tom Fujimoto. Who is great! Who is great! But it just it looks kind of cheap. It kind of feels almost like you're watching a TV show at times. It didn't have that... Like there is long shots, like the scene where there's a scene where John Leguizamo's in a car, and you see it kind of drive for a while, and you're like, "Where's it going?" And it crashes into a tree, and people fly out of the car, and the math teacher John Leguizamo walks out of the car and splits his wrist open, and that was like sort of like the trademark Shyamalan, you know, master shot, but it just wasn't as interesting as like compared to like the shot at the funeral in Sixth Sense, where it's a long yeah. shot and you're moving around, and there's like this interesting stuff going on with the camera, or like the shots and, and unbreakable when you see like them talk there's even them just talking to each other and you have these interesting kind of wide shots and it just it just feels kind of like cheap and it just feels like it's not as well crafted or well thought out like if you didn't know m night m night made this movie you just think it was just some crappy hollywood you know like horror movie you know like some subpar horror movie the only scene i gotta say the only scene that i really like and i still like is the scene where all the construction workers are falling off the okay. building that is a well done scene so there's a scene where they were like this these guys, this construction is talking and looking at blueprints or whatever, and then one of the workers falls off the building, and the reaction is like, oh no, like you know, for another whoop, and then it's another worker, and then there's this great shot from below where you see all these bodies just like flying off the top of this construction. Yeah, the bodies site. they uh, they are falling uh, off the building in a very but they're falling away as if they were thrown. They don't look like they no. jumped. <laughs> They look like someone had a dummy cannibal. Like their bodies are completely still as they fall down. It's a very striking image, though kind of also perplexing. Yeah. Uh, This this can segue into something I want to talk about, which is how uh, the characters in this movie don't really act like people. Yeah, because really, uh, when really that construction weird. worker he sees like all the bodies falling off, his reaction is literally to look up with. Uh, like instant horror and say like, my God, (laughs) like it just goes straight to be like this intense 
and awful horror and revelation and there's no moment of confusion yeah yeah like when september 11th happened there were moments of confusion like what no it like you you got that wrong man and then like well that was but it wasn't on purpose like no what what how could it be yeah there was confusion and denial and then then you get to accepting the horror of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's none of that here from anybody. It Everyone's act- just so odd. It's, it's so weird. And like, I don't, I don't like, I don't know. Like if it's, it's hard when you watch it, it's one of those kind of movies where you're like, is this intended to be this way? Is this just bad? Like, and if it is intended, what is the intention? Like why? So like Mark Wahlberg, not believable for a second as a science teacher in this movie. And Mark Wahlberg is usually, I, I feel a very good actor. Like, Boogie Nights, like The Departed, like he is good. Like I know he's yeah. a good actor, but in this he acts like an eight year old. It's a lot of like, gee whiz, oh god, you know. He just like acts like a like he doesn't act like a human being. Especially the the scene where it really sticks out is the part when he gets caught looking at the he gets caught and snooping around the old lady's house, <laughs> and he goes, "What? No!" <laughs> and it's like, why is that your reaction? It's so yeah, weird. She it's, she <laughs> says, uh, "You're like." You're trying to steal from me, like you're going to kill me. And his reaction is, "What? What? No! no. Like, Please, is how you react." He's um, and then Zoe and Zoe Deschanel. Is that you say your name is Deschanel? Uh, Deschanel? I, I think it's Deschanel. Deschanel. So she, her acting is really extra weird. She really seems like she acts like someone who got scared. Someone like someone like had a surprise birthday, but didn't get over the part of everyone going like surprise. <laughs> and she was this kind of wide. She reminds me of like the big eye paintings. Like she's just like kind of wide eyed. And then maybe they're going for this innocence thing or something. But it just seems so weird. Like the way she acts is very strange. Where no one is reacting the way they should. No one seems as upset as they should be. No one seems confused, like you said, as they should be. It's just sort of like, oh, okay, I guess. Like there's like there's a scene in this movie where children die, where you watch two children die brutally, and there's never a point of like, well, that was upsetting to the characters. They're just kind of like, well, time to move on. They, uh, <laughs> they shake it off the way yeah, well, yeah. the way characters in horror movies do. Like someone <laughs> someone dies, there's a death scene, death scene, and then they shake it off to move on to the next scene because that's how like horror yeah. slasher movies work. But they yeah, the acting from everybody, and like it is like when. The botanist is talking about hot dogs. You're just like, why is he talking about hot dogs? Like, it's great that he's talking about hot dogs, but why is he talking about hot dogs? I feel like that is because, like, that is an attempt at humor. But you can't tell because the whole movie is so bad you don't know if it's It's supposed to be funny parts. Like, the tone is so hard to read of this movie. Yeah, it's it's a very somber, very serious movie. But then there are... What's but is but is it though? Is it is it a serious? Do you think? Do you think, think so? that? I think so. Like when I, you have I, Mark Wahlberg talking, there's a part where Mark Wahlberg talks and apologizes to a plant, and then the you plant ends up being fake. But do you think that's, that's supposed to be? That's a joke. supposed to be funny. Like you know, I don't know. I just um, like you don't think it's like a really twisted, dark humor on Shemelin's behalf that like he just like decided to like lose his compassion that he had for people in all the movies previous and decided just to go like. Real dark. I don't think so. <laughs> like, I, I feel like the reason I think this is uh, a serious movie is because of the uh, haunting violin score by usual suspect James Newton Howard, who is gotta be 
the best friend to have in the world, if he's still hanging on with Shyamalan at this point, like that's a good friend. Yeah. He's a good friend to be like, yes, I will write the score for this movie. He like, is, he's still there, yeah. still doing it. He's like it. a genuine believer in Shyamalan. <laughs> if you watch the uh, special features of yeah. The Sixth Sense, yeah, probably my favorite scene in this movie aside from Alan Ruck, but the scene I thought were like, okay. Wait, so Alan Ruck's your favorite scene just because it's Cameron prepared? There's nothing spectacular about that scene. No. He just tells them to go home. But this is a... Uh, <laughs> he just says, go home, and you're like, oh, is, it's Cameron. This is a quite unspectacular movie. <laughs> so, but the scene I do think is done well, that I like, is when, uh, after they've gotten out of the train, and they're just uh, kind of walking around, and they come across this uh, lone army... Uh, private, who everyone just puts in charge because he's in uniform, and then like, okay, we're all gonna go to this county in this like secret county in Pennsylvania that's not on the map. It's only on local maps, and it's unpopulated, which seems to me weird that a state would have a secret county. <laughs> but they're gonna go there, and then all of a sudden, the group in front of them, uh, they stop. And they freeze, and uh, everyone starts using the army guy's gun to kill themselves. And then everyone just puts Mark Wahlberg in charge all of a sudden. Yeah. And they're asking him, like, what do we do? What do we do? Like, you're the science teacher. What do we What do? We do? And Zoe Deschanel's really badgering him. He says, like, okay, like, shut up a second and let me think. Which I feel like that's a natural reaction. <laughs> and then he talks it out. It's like, all right, you're a science teacher, douchebag. Think scientifically. <laughs> okay, like, what are the variables? Like, da, 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 and it comes to, like, that group was bigger than ours, so it hit them because there were too many people together. So we all have to split up, and they all split up and run in, op- and run in different directions. Which ends up not being true. Not because, well, because then they get affected at the old lady's place. Like, the old lady by herself outside gets affected by this. She's not with anybody. But I think that's because... Or she's stood uh, in the wind. <laughs> Is that why? I think it's, like, at that point, the the plants had decided to go to like even smaller groups. So like maybe like just three people together could set it off. Maybe. Uh, but I like that scene cause that's is the only scene in this movie approaching science. It's someone being given a problem that then has to use evidence and come up with a, uh, a solution with a theory mm-hmm. and then test the theory and then it works. But it goes against what he said at the beginning, which is you're supposed to be like, I don't know, you know, it's science, it's weird, nature, it's crazy. Uh, this, and then you know, this movie does have, God, this is such an anti-science movie, I really have a huge problem with that. <laughs> at the end, um, in what is probably not a conscious homage to Hitchcock, he has on the news a expert explain what happened. Like the, uh, like the, the psychiatrist, like yeah. the psychiatrist <laughs> that comes in and psycho. It's like, let me tell you what just happened. <laughs> Uh, it's a weird way to end the movie, but uh, we're going to do this. And he's like, yeah, like it's the plants and it happened here because these were really densely populated areas. But the truth is, it's an act of nature and we'll never know. Like we'll never fully understand it. <laughs> and then cut to the same thing happening in, in Paris. And then, you know, people start Killing, or you don't see anyone kill themselves in Paris, but one French guy says, like, Mom, you, or something. Like I'm sure that. over there they just wrote, like, a long existential poem. They didn't actually commit suicide. It was like, <laughs> oh, I'm so sad. I will make art. <laughs> um, 
Another interesting thing to note is I believe, am I, am I, is this the first R-rated Shyamalan yes, movie? Yes, that is uh, true. Which is shocking. It's shocking everyone in this movie's rated R because I don't think it's that bad. This is a very like, light it's, R. It's a very light R despite what they say in the making of when they're talking about like, this is the most intense movie ever made. Shyamalan in the making of... He talks about how like intense the movie was. He was like, "Oh, this is going to be an." I've gone too far. This is going to be an <laughs> NC seventeen. I have to cut this back, and that's another reason why I think that he was just trying to make uh, just like straight up horror. Yeah. Because he was like, "I'm going to go for like the bloodiest deaths, and you're going to see this kid's head get." Blown but you don't. Off. But you don't like the art. You know, the stuff like so the make a lot of the making ofs on the DVD are mostly about the one scene where the two kids die. Like for, so that must have been yeah. the day where they let the people on the set the film. Things. Like there's at least two, I think maybe three. There's, I think there's three. Making of just about that one scene where it's like the scene where these they're they're going to a house and they try to get in the house and the person's inside saying like get off my land I don't trust you you're gonna bring the poison in you're a terrorist or whatever and then the guy in the house shoots the two like preteen kids like mm-hmm. and it's not that brutal the one kid gets shot it's clearly some sort of buckshot where it spreads throughout his body yeah and then you have the other kid who gets shot in the head. Not very gratuitous, pretty tame. No, like, like they, you could see worse on a CSI episode. Yeah, like they filmed it. Uh, they filmed like the back of his head getting mm-hmm. blown off, but then decided like not to use it. But on the making of everyone's like, oh my gosh, Shyamalan, you've really gone too far. You've really gone over the edge. And him being like, I have, I know, but I must. Like, and he compares it to The Godfather and The Exorcist. He says like <laughs> those movies, you know, they made you see some uncomfortable things. So the happening. Is going to do the same. But that scene isn't scary. The scene isn't like there's no part of this movie that's ever actually scary. Like there's nothing scary about wind. Like it's no, it's like, oh, like there's pollen that makes you. And then it's not like there's an actual threat of you killing or being killed by somebody else. You just kill yourself. So there's not even like, oh, this person might, <laughs> like I might be safe, but this person might kill me. So it's like the worst that'll happen is that everybody kills themselves, which isn't scary either. And then, like, there's, like, the part, there's another one of those long shots where it's, everybody's using the cop's gun to shoot themselves. It just seems kind of silly. Like, it doesn't ever feel intense or scary. Just sort of like, oh, okay, like, this is happening now. Like, it's just not, there's no tension. There's no thrills. It's just sort of like, watching Mark Wahlberg running away from wind is a great way to save money, but it's not a great way to be scared. At all, it's not. <laughs> like, and I it's feel. Not scary. I feel like that scene, and probably just because of the score, like you know, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel and the the little girl that John Leguizamo has left with them to fix their broken marriage. Uh, running away from the wind is supposed to be like thrilling. You're supposed to like, oh my god. But it's not because I'm not really watching anything. I'm just watching people run. Yeah, so this plant toxin or whatever, it makes people kill themselves in the most ridiculous way possible. I know, it's like there's so many easier ways to kill yourself, but it's like you will in this days think of the most complicated In this days, like this guy, um, there's like... <laughs> when they're at the trains, like let, let's talk about the deaths in this movie. Uh, when they are in the diner after they've all been kicked off the train, this woman's like, oh, my God, look at this video on my phone. And so then the camera, like, zooms in on her phone, and it's a guy uh, who jumped into a lion pit. 
Do you think he, he worked there? Well, maybe he worked there. He, he's he's in there. he's in the lion pit at the zoo, <laughs> and he's just like like offering his arm to the lion, just kind of like holding it out, <laughs> and the lion uh, goes up to him, and then the camera like tilts up like some like classic uh, yeah lost control and they come back and the guy has his arm ripped off and then he holds out his other arm to another line and the lion rips that arm off and and what i gotta say is some of the worst green screening i've ever seen it looks shambalan loves to pride himself he's very proud of not using a lot of cgi which is insane because he's used a lot of cgi in his last few movies that we've seen but that is some bad see green screen it looks real like it is like it's like Sin City level, where you can tell that that guy is in front of a green ball, and they put a zoo behind him and some lions. Like, it looks... The lighting is too bright. It just looks bad. And, like, the guy's just holding out his arm he to lions. Have... He's not even, like, slapping them around to piss them off or anything. Or if it's, like, just, like, go to the hot dog stand at the zoo and just choke a hot dog. Yeah, <laughs> like, or... just, like, run in front of a car. Like, it, it's, um... like, everything is so... So complicated. But yeah, everyone, people in New York, they just start killing themselves with a cop's gun. Like, you only see, like, them from, like, the waist down. So yeah. you just hear, like, a shot, and then they drop, and then someone else walks up, picks up a gun. You hear the shot, and you see their body drop. There's a uh, terrible deleted scene of yeah. a, a music, uh, like, a music concert. <laughs> and I'm yeah. glad they cut it out, because, one, it would have been weird to have a scene where there's two moments where they look at things on their phone, which would be infuriating to me. But there's a scene where they go to like a violin recital, and like everyone does the thing where they phrase they kills the guy kills himself by swallowing the both the violin. It looks so bad. It looks so bad. Uh, and it was like, how would you die? And like, how would that work? And why is that what you think of? Like, why wouldn't you just like why wouldn't you like jump out the window? Or you know, like why is that? Like, I will swallow the boat. And you know from magicians that you can stick a sword down your throat and it'd be fine. It'd be fine. <laughs> If someone runs up and punches you when you have a sword down your throat, you're going to Maybe die. the goal was he was going to do that and someone was going to be so mad that they were going to punch him in the stomach <laughs> and then die. Uh, but by far my favorite one is, and I don't know if it's on TV. Anyway, it's this guy who starts up a, a giant a giant lawnmower. No, it's on a TV. Mark Wahlberg sees the large group and he's like, we got to get away from that large group. And from the hill, from afar, they see the guy start the lawnmower. He starts the lawnmower and it's a huge, like, industrial, like, thresher. And he starts it and then he gets down and lays in (laughs) front of it. And then when it goes over him, you're like, oh my God, it's going to be so graphic. And then you just see a light, a light red mist. (laughs) Also, it's like, why wouldn't you just, like, use the thing turned off and just use the blades to just, like, like walk up to it and just run your throat against it or wrist uh, or something? Yeah, and when the uh, air infects Betty Buckley, she kills herself by, uh, <laughs> like, smashing her head through a window repeatedly. Walking around her entire house and hitting her head. Yeah. Which is, like, why? So why couldn't she figure out? <laughs> I figure that afterwards, and maybe this is where it was going, it's not, but... Afterwards, when the plants are all talking to each other in their plant language, they're like, shit, you know what we should have done? We should have just made them sterile. <laughs> then they can't make any more. They die, off. they die off. They can't make any more people. Oh, fuck. We should have done that. So what? So why Why would the pollen make people... Like, I'm assuming it's pollen, right? Like, the things that are released in the air by a plant would be pollen. Like, it's the thing that makes me sneeze every day living here in Austin. 
if you want to make sense of the movie, it would be So the pollen, so it's an allergy that makes you depressed instantly. Somehow it hits that part of your brain where it makes you depressed, and then you kill yourself. But, like, what, like, but, like, what about the people who, like, why, why does it only murder? Like, because, like, not everyone has the drive to murder people. Like, I guess there's the animal drive, they say, where you have that kind of, like, kill, kill instinct, you know, kill or be killed instinct. But, like, why would everyone go to suicide? Like, why wouldn't some people just be, like, so depressed that they would just, like, you know, like most people, were like you're so depressed, that, but you don't kill yourself. You just like eat a lot of ice yeah. cream, or you just masturbate a lot, or whatever you do when you're depressed. So why why is it just suicide? And then what about like people who are? It's not like so like the lady who hits her head against the thing. So is there a lot of people who are trying to kill themselves, but it just takes forever? You know, like you're the Amish person living in your Amish community, <laughs> and then this wind blows in, and you're like. Oh shit! I gotta kill myself, but then you're like, "But with what?" You know, when I'm gone, it's like you just you hit yourself with a butter churn for days until you die. Like, how, like I just don't quite. Or what about people who can't move? Like, so the people, like, what if you were like an insane person in a mental institution, and the wind blew through like the grate of your window, and you're strapped to a table because you're a violent person to begin with? This thing makes you want to kill yourself. Which you already were feeling because you were in a mental institution for depression, let's say. Then what happens? So when the thing passes, does the depression subside? Do you just go, that was weird. I'm glad I was, I was glad that I was like strapped to a thing and I didn't kill myself. Or if you're like already committing suicide, like then like what is the extra thing? I don't know. I just feel like it's a little not as well thought out as the maybe, other movies. <laughs> no, it, it's oh, not yeah, as it well is. thought out. I feel maybe it's because or like the the horror of it is supposed to be that it's not scary. Are, no, it's not like scary. Compare, compare this to Twenty Eight Days Later, which to me is a very scary movie. That is one of my favorite horror movies. One of the best, and it's so good. And so, like, that movie is the opposite, where it's like, you get this virus, and it makes you go crazy and kill everyone around you. And you'll kill your own family, like with Brendan Gleeson. Like, he'll go after, like, the people he loves. It doesn't matter. And, like, that's scary, being, like, the person I know and love and trust will all of a sudden try to kill me. But just being like, oh, this group of people will just, like, get real sad really fast. <laughs> And kill themselves. You're like, oh, okay. So it's a little different than going to like a cure concert. Yeah, or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, sad people. Okay, suicide. Eh, like, that's, that's not scary. That's not suicide. Isn't scary. I feel like it's it's supposed to like maybe what's scary or what's supposed to be scary about it is that you lose control of your body and mind. Yeah, and then hurt yourself, and it's totally not your <clears throat> decision. I, yeah, um, but that's not not as uh, not as scary. But they don't really do much with the people losing control. You get it with the army guy. You get him starting to say like this weird kind of army. Like he sort of gets into this weird sort of like almost like boot camp sort of mentality. But like to like kill himself. Yeah, it's like, like, people, like it gets really weird. Turn into zombies. If you uh, could see a scene of them like trying to like fight it, fight it, or feel, there's no scene of anyone fighting it, and there's no scene where other people are really getting upset by like. There's a part with a soldier, and in that, it's just sort of a quick acceptance. So you have the blondist sort of hold his wife's hand, being like, well, I guess we're going to kill ourselves now. But there's not a point of like, oh, God, he's losing, but i got to run away. Like, there's never, there's never anyone ever really panicking in this movie. 
like other than running away from the wind with Mark Wahlberg. I mean, there's never a part of like, oh shit, that person's lost his mind. Oh, I gotta get, I gotta get away. Like, like there's no like, I'm running. Oh, I can't say, I can't fight it. Like, there's never that tension. It is just sort of like a, a quick acceptance of like, well, I guess this is the end. Oh well, you know, like there's not that moment at all. <laughs> no, there, yeah, there isn't. So uh, the death scenes. They're not particularly thrilling if, like, that's no. if that's your bag for horror movies, and like you watch the all of Friday the Thirteenth movies to see like what are the crazy elaborate deaths going to be yeah. in this movie? Because you're not going to get anything emotionally out of a Friday the Thirteenth yeah. movie. It's just more the fun of the deaths. Yeah, like the star Jason is the star of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and the most important crew member is not the director; it's the special effects guys. So, like, shit, Tom Savini is yeah. back for part four. <laughs> Oh my god, he's so good. Um, and it was that has a great gag of Jason's head sliding down the knife. Yeah, the best. Was, <laughs> yeah, the best. Tom Savini is great. He is great. Horror, horror movie legend. He was needed on this movie that had no fun gore and no fun deaths. Like it never seems like Shyamalan's ever even having fun in this movie. Like this is definitely his bleakest, least helpful film. Like all of his movies have some humanity or heart or so like even the village which seems pretty cold at times has the bryce dallas howard character it has sort of like there's still like some humanity to it and this movie has zero of that and i wonder if this is like just the like the read into this in terms of his filmography he's just bitter after the failure of his dream project of lady in the water and so he was just like, fuck it, fuck you people, like, fuck the human race, like, plants will kill all of you, and I will give you no heart and no humanity, and this is going to be a movie that's just, like, cold and just, like, distant, and this is what you get. Like, here's the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Maybe going from, like, Signs, which was an accidental 9-11 trauma movie, mm-hmm. and then The Village, which is subtly about... I think not so subtly <laughs> post nine eleven trauma, trauma. But like we oh like cities aren't safe we have to retreat yeah. to the country, which is what they think in the happening like cities aren't safe highly populated areas aren't yeah. safe we have to go off into rural countryside but in the village because of the twist in that movie he didn't give people something to believe in he took away belief in the village. And so then he wanted to give people something to believe in again with Lady in the Water, which is still about, like, ah, oh, you know, we live in kind of a shitty world with, like, all this bad news stuff happening. But there's going to be, uh, you know, hope one day because of this book that I write and, and the narfs and, and all that. And this is maybe him going, I don't know, going back? This is like there's no hope. It's like, run away if you can. He'll still catch up Run away if you can. It doesn't matter. And You're all doomed. He's trying to transfer the, uh, the terror and shock and trauma of 9-11 to global warming and climate change. But, um, this, but unsuccessfully. A movie this that is not the this way reminds me of that is much better is the Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds. And I think it reminds you of that because it, it's it's definitely a post-9-11 allegory, for sure. And you have this thing where there's panic in the city, so everybody retreats into the country. So in that movie of Tom Cruise, is it Dakota Fanning? Yeah. Retreats into the country, 
And just like in this, there's a part where they go to a house and there's a weirdo and they have to deal with Tim Robbins and more of the worlds. In this one, it's the old lady. And it just has the same sort of feel. And then just like War of the Worlds, it kind of ends and sort of be like, well, that's over with. Okay, maybe it'll happen again. Who knows? It's done, you know. But War of the Worlds is cool. I, I like that movie a lot. Uh, I really like the Spielberg version of quite a bit. And, like, I think that's a much more effective movie. And what's weird about this movie, and I don't know why Shannon did what's effective about War of the Worlds. So War of the Worlds, you have Tom Cruise and his family mm-hmm. dealing with this thing. And then his family kind of, he has to part ways with his son and then they come back together again at the end, right? Don't they? Yeah. But in this one, it's like it's weird that it's like with Shannon lo- loving child actors so much and having such a good relationship with kid actors, this movie has the least good of his kid actors. Like, there's nothing memorable about like John Leguizamo's daughter is just that John Leguizamo's character's daughter. There's nothing spectacular about that character. She's sad. She's quiet. I there's nothing think... interesting. And then you have. I'm guessing think... it's Abigail Breslin's brother. His last name is Breslin. How many okay. people's name is Breslin? I didn't. He must be Abigail Breslin's brother. I'm just gonna say that. I don't. Know. I, did, I didn't look up the name of the two. Those guys kids. aren't so good. Those two kids that die. Yeah. You don't feel anything for them. There's no. So why didn't he make it where they had a kid? Like why wasn't it? Why did it have to be someone else's kid? It doesn't mean anything. Because... But if it was Mark Wahlberg and his in. Uh, Zoe and their kid, then there'd be a little more of a thing going on. Being like, oh my god, I might like my kid might kill herself in front of me. I might kill myself. My kid, like, it'd feel like there'd be more. It would be like uh, it that. would be like that. Um, and, uh, and George Romero, R.I.P. George Romero's Night Living Dead. That couple has their daughter in the basement. Got, yeah, they yeah. got bit by a zombie, and they don't want to uh, do anything about it. And even after she turns into a zombie, mm-hmm. and then she kills her parents and yeah. one of the spookiest scenes in that movie. The, the spookiest. That's the first time I ever had tunnel vision Whoa. when I saw the movie as a child colorized because my mom had the colorized VHS Whoa. of Night of Living Dead so Ted Turner made the zombies green and blue and stuff. But that part where she stabs him with a little garden shovel made me almost faint and I had to crawl out of the living room on her hands and knees <laughs> with tunnel vision and my mom was in the kitchen cooking and I remember just like grabbing her leg and just kind of laying on the floor of the kitchen being like Oh, God. It's so exciting. <laughs> They're coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's, such, that's one of my favorite lines in any horror movie. So good. Uh, but I think they don't have kids. It's someone else's kid. Her name is Ashlyn Sanchez. The actress's name? Yes. Okay. Uh, and she doesn't speak, I don't think, in this movie until the very end to show that she's uh, you know, accepted Zoe Deschanel as her new mom or something. Yeah. But because Shyamalan is not really concerned about the family unit, he's more concerned with this relationship, with yeah. the uh, adult relationship, which is almost ruined by uh, Ice Cream by Tierra Masu with Joey, who is... Voiced by the yes. director. That's your director's cameo. Is So there's a part where she talks to him on the phone, mm-hmm. on the train, leaving the city, and there's a part of, like, why are you calling me? And it's him. And I didn't realize it was him until the credits. Like, I didn't pick up. Like, usually I could pick up on his cameos, but that was a, a subtle one. That was a subtle one. That's maybe his best acting ever, then, because <laughs> I didn't recognize him as himself. He, uh, he toned it way back from being one of the lead characters <laughs> to being just a disembodied voice on the phone with one line. Much like Tarantino and Jackie Brown as the voice of Jackie Brown's answering machine. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, in, like, in the making of, there's so much about 
Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel's relationship and their marriage and the original opening scene of the movie was mm -hmm. not people killing themselves in Central Park. It was just this fight that they have. A weird fight because he's holding an open box of cereal the entire time like a child, which is very strange. It was very a very strange. weird. It would have been a weird way to start the movie. Very weird. I agree. Yeah, and then that makes me think of how in the special features for the Sixth Sense, Shyamalan talks about how like the romance angle in the Sixth Sense was like really important, and he thinks that's what people really responded to was the love story between Bruce Willis and Olivia Williams. She's like, no, no. <laughs> no. It's like, do you know? Like, so maybe, yeah. he does, maybe he and a lot of directors like just doesn't really know what parts of his movies work with audiences. And you feel no chemistry between uh, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel. Like, like you Zoe Deschanel, you don't feel anything. You don't feel like, oh, I really hope they get together. I really hope they figure it out. You never, because you never, you never get a vision of them before it was bad. And it never seems that bad to begin with, because it's like, oh, she's kind of sad, and she had cake with a guy or whatever. So, okay, so nothing really bad happened. They're just kind of, like, distant for some reason. She has this thing at the beginning, the deleted scene, of how she wanted him to make him her feel safe. And that's out in the in the movie. That's no longer in the movie. So just sort of, like, she's sad for some reason. She had cake and felt weird about it. And then he's wondering why she's sad. And then they're not sad. And then she has a baby at the end of the movie. <laughs> like, okay, like, all right. And you don't really feel anything at all and for anybody. I know that's, uh, you know, he's trying to get us invested in these characters just by giving them this problem. He didn't, like, really set up who they were first yeah. for, you know, we we have this scene of, like, of Bruce Willis and Olivia Williams having their, like, nice, you know, romantic dinner in before he gets shot and, yeah. and the movie and the plot of the movie starts. Yeah. And you get no sense of the past that is the same. Like, there's other movies like in Signs and later on in Split, you get these flashbacks that kind of build the characters as to why they are the way they are. And I feel maybe this could have helped with something like that, where it's like if we had seen why they're so distant and why we want to see them get back together, yeah. that could have helped. But there's nothing really and that happened that makes you feel like there's even a real problem. No, and in this movie where nature is just killing people, like, if that had been done successfully, I, I don't know how, but, like, <laughs> you know, if, I had, if you had been so thrilled and caught up by that, you wouldn't need this romantic, uh, you know, or this strained relationship mm -hmm. to care about, and you wouldn't care about it if this was happening... And you were like on the rocks with your wife or girlfriend, and all of a sudden everyone's just dying. Your priority would be like, "Hey, let's just live, and we'll figure this shit out later." It's <clears throat> like in uh, uh, Jaws, you have this killer shark, and that's all you need. That's all you need to be uh, to be thrilled. And yeah. you know that Brody is a good. Uh, he wants to be a good sheriff, and he wants to be a good father. And yeah. this shark is preventing him from doing both. Yeah. He doesn't have a strange marriage. The shark is is enough. It's enough threat. It's enough conflict. It's all you need. It's all you need. Or he should have taken a page from his hero Hitchcock and watched the birds. Because the birds has very little character. Like, I don't remember a lot of the character stuff in the birds. I just remember people running away from 
<laughs> but it's scary. It's intense. It's well made. It's great. Like it's a great movie. Like and the birds is another one where there's a phenomenon that happens, and no one can explain why, and then it stops. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen the birds. I don't know. I mean, uh, I know there's a scene where they like talk about why is this happening, but I wonder if there's a scene in the birds where they like comment on like, well, maybe we don't know why. Like they talk no, about the thing is, I really think it's just sort of like I think they're just running away from birds in that yeah. movie. I wish there was. I really wish there was a scene in this movie, and I feel this could have added to something like where somebody who loves someone else's movie or really likes someone else fought the other person from killing themselves. Like there was like some moment of tension of like, and isn't if I was a screenwriting teacher and M Night was my student, I read the script, I'd be like, no, it'd be great. You know, it adds to the tension of his movie. And make it actually scary and actually add some emotion. As you see your wife go into this trance. You see her try to kill herself. And you try to stop her. And you can't. You can't stop her. And you have to watch her, while you're fighting her to stop, kill herself. And that never happens in this movie. There's never a point of like, oh my god, no, don't. No, don't. Because it's like, it happens so quick to everybody. That everybody just instantly starts killing themselves. And there's never that moment of like, my loved one is killing himself. Oh my yeah. God, the horror of, or like this emotive of even watching and being a witness to like this person that I like, like the, the part with John Leguizamo, math, te- math teacher, killing himself, that should have happened in front of Mark Wahlberg. Like that should have, he should have seen his best friend kill himself. And that would have been so much more intense and so much more meaning. That would be scary being like, that was close. That could have been me. That could have been, my wife, but luckily we were a block away and the wind didn't hit us in this direction or whatever. Yeah. But having it happen happens. somewhere else, it doesn't have as much meaning. You're just like, okay, well, I guess that happened. Instead, Mark Wahlberg has that moment with the uh, the lawnmower. Yeah, like but wouldn't that make something if he saw John Leguizamo lay in front of the lawnmower yeah. and kill himself and be like, no, and him running and screaming and be no, but I can't run towards him because I might catch the thing. Like, there's never that moment, which is really weird because, like, Shyamalan, I feel, really thinks hard about his movies, or at least he did before this and really he storyboards it to a T and just like really goes through the whole thing and is obsessive. Hitchcock and Spielberg are also people that really, you know, think about all their movies and every moment of it. And it's just weird to just kind of not have those. It almost feels like he's intentionally not having those human moments that his other movies had. He's like, no, no, this movie's not human. No, no, no. This is like, this is just me making a scary movie. There's a lot of bland exposition in this movie. Like just straight up, Stating like, oh, this marriage is on the rocks, or I'm a math teacher, or I think it's the plants, or we've lost communications, or the train, we decided to give up, even though that you're like, we could have kept on going mm-hmm. to the station, to the other station, but we decided to just... Yeah, just walked on the train tracks. <laughs> if people phrase things oddly in this movie, and that's one of those... Very oddly. That's another thing that leads you to think like these characters don't talk or act like people and not like the way people in movies don't really talk or act like people like oh man like you wouldn't say that in real life like no like these people say things strangely like john leguizamo is on the train he's on the phone with his wife he's got his daughter and he's trying to tell uh he's trying to tell her something and he can't hear her so he just keeps saying like i can't hear you text me i can't hear you text me (laughs) And then she uh, texts him a message, and he tells Mark Wahlberg, like, oh, like she's going to the town of Princeton. 
the <laughs> town like what the fuck she's going to Princeton she's going to Princeton <laughs> yeah I do, um, I do, like is he trying is Shemelin trying to do like a Hell Hartley thing or something he's like I'm going to have them all talk straight I'm going to have them talk in a specific way where this is how these people are but there's no point or, of the making of where it alludes that he's trying to do that like no. it really just seems like maybe he overrode it and then nobody told him to like kind of edit it and they just yeah. made the movie. Or a Zoe Deschanel's, <laughs> Zoe Deschanel's non-adulterous dessert with Joey, which is like, oh, I had dessert with him. I had dessert with this guy. Like, well, you, you had dessert with this guy. It's like, so it was a date. Like, if she, like, made a date yeah. with another guy and had a date with another guy, that would be a bad thing. Yeah. But just having dessert with someone... I mean, and also, you, inherently and also you can't have dessert if you don't have a meal before it. It just means you're having ice cream at 3 p.m. So just say <laughs> you just had ice cream at 3 p.m. You didn't have dessert. The worst dialogue for me is from the old lady. from What's her name? Betty Buckley? Yeah. When she says, are you eyeing my lemon drink? Oh, wait. You mean lemonade? <laughs> just say lemon. Who says lemon drink? Oh, that, that's powder that she got. <laughs> Drink. That's powder she got from the end of the aisle at the grocery <laughs> store. Yeah, maybe it is lemon drink. It's like orange drink. But for her to say, like, yeah, I'm a lemon drink, is like, I think he's trying, I think Emma's trying to do like a stylish, like this is like a, because she says ain't a lot, which doesn't really fit. It seems too, too stylized. Like it doesn't feel natural. And her saying lemon drink, it's like, no one would say that. Like, eat, like, yeah, your husband like died in the war forty years ago, or whatever. There still was lemonade. You knew what lemonade was. No one ever called it lemon drink. What are you doing? <laughs> like, why would you say that? In the special features, Shyamalan talks about how he wanted this to be a throwback to the paranoia movies of the seventies. And I don't... which would be what like in, uh, what what are the paranoia? I. Don't remember. What are the paranoia films of the 70s? I don't remember the films he stated specifically, but that's not, those are not the films that I thought of. Yes. When he said paranoia of the 70s, I thought like of. Like Andromeda Strain is what, 68? Yeah, it's like 68, 69. The Birds is early. The Birds is early. I thought of like the Parallax View. Yeah, Parallax View. Out. But this is nothing like those no, movies. It's nothing like those movies. It's nothing like the disaster movies of the seventies. It might be like, a little bit like the swarm. The swarm. <laughs> oh god, the swarm. Which is it's one of my favorite Michael Caine gets a paycheck movies. <laughs> I mean, um, this movie is similar. It's like it movies like a sterile version of Day of the Triffids, which is another movie about <laughs> plants killing people. But then when you actually see the plants kill people, and this one. They blow in the wind there. <laughs> yeah, so there was there was like this uh, fad of like nature revenge movies in the seventies, like The Swarm, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Night of the Lepus. Mm -hmm. uh, I hate even. that movie. It's so boring. Well, and also it seems like they really killed rabbits in it, which is depressing. Oh, no. Like, like when you watch it, it just seems like I had, there's some not some not cool things going on. I had on probably there. checked out by then because <laughs> it was so boring. I don't know. It looks like they're really hurting right And then even the uh, Piranha and Jaws are like nature. Great movies. movies. Yeah. Both great movies. So The Birds and 28 Days Later, which I'm going to spoil if you haven't seen it. They have great endings and they, uh, they do not do something consciously that The Happening does. And that the awful, awful, one of the worst movies I've seen 28 weeks later does, <laughs> which is to end with, this is happening, 
in another town at the end of 28 weeks later it uh like the zombies got out and now they're in like greater london and at the very end you see zombies running amok in in paris always paris and at the end of this it happens in paris the original end of the birds was rod taylor and tippy hedron and you know whatever kid uh, the you know the baby go from alien yeah that he rescues from the uh from the attic full of birds and like this amazingly creepy scene. Uh, they get away and they drive to the city. They drive to San Francisco, but then the car stops on the hill and the entire Golden Gate Bridge is covered in birds. That'd be a great end. The end. Hitchcock didn't like it. He decided against it and was like, no, he wanted it just self-contained the this thing to happen. this. Yeah, it happened just here, yeah, whatever. At the end of 28 days later, they get rescued. That's it. It's a good. It's a good solid ending. And it, you can tell that, like maybe the bad stuff's still going on, but at least they're, oh, you know, like, like it's maybe un- in a group of people. It's under control. Place or something. And in this one, in this movie, it follows the path of Twenty Eight Weeks Later, which is like, oh, now it's happening again. Happening in too. Paris. Paris, France, which is like, I mean, not that you were. Th- thinking about what's going to happen next in this movie, but it's not a shock. It's not like, a, oh my god, it's happening well, again. Well, because when, when all of a sudden you're in France, you're like, oh, let me guess. They're going to stop walking and start killing themselves. Yes. There's no surprise. It's it's not a final scare no. in a horror movie. This it's is a, not Jason coming up from the lake no. for like, oh, to give you one last jolt before yeah. the movie ends. It would have been more scary and it would have been they're at home, she's having a baby, and all of a sudden she stands still. And it starts walking to a pair of scissors or something like that. He's like, oh, no. And then he keeps laughing. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, that would be that would mean something. But cutting to characters that have nothing to do with the movie that you just watched means nothing. This movie was totally hated when it came out by everybody. everybody. <laughs> like, I saw this I saw this movie in theaters because I was still a Shyamalan fan. I was still a supporter. And the whole th- – and it was packed. The theater was packed. This movie uh, – had a budget of $48 million. It was released on June 13th, 2008. Big summer. That's a high summer time. It made $64.5 million. So it made some money. This is one of those movies that like everyone hates, which means that we all saw it in theaters. It's like how Waterworld <laughs> it, you know, sucks, but we all, we all hey, saw it. Hey, Waterworld's good. Waterworld does not suck. <laughs> Waterworld is good. <laughs> like we all saw it enough that Waterworld finished in the top ten grossing movies of yeah. that year because we all saw it and didn't like it. Well, I didn't. This though is the last Shyamalan movie that we all saw. Yes, and this is the last <laughs> one. The last one. Well, well, until later on, but like yeah. for a while, this will be the last one that people went and saw. And I feel like everyone kind of after this one was like, okay, you know what? I gave you a chance in the village. I gave you a chance to take the water. Three strikes are out, pal. I'm out. I'm assuming this won some Raspberry Awards or got like was nominated for all of them. It'd be nice. Yeah. Pro- there weren't as Fuck many. There weren't as many Transformers. Like, no Michael Bay movies that year. Yeah, there weren't but, as many uh, Transformer movies or Adam Sandler movies that they liked to. Uh, I saw this in a pack theater. I had to sit off to the side, which I hate, but it was it was so packed. That was the only open seat, mm-hmm. and the theater laughed. Mm-hmm. They laughed out loud yeah. at so many scenes, and I thought. And I didn't like the movie, and I thought, well, this audience, they ruined my experience. I need to go see this movie again, fresh. <laughs> and that night, 
as I was letting the movie marinate, it was like, I don't want to see that movie again. <laughs> I don't. It was the scene of, the, of them running from the wind. I'm like, this this isn't working, man. I, had a similar, I can't defend this. I had a similar experience, but I actually enjoyed it. Look, I, wouldn't, I don't know why it went so because I hated the Lake and Water before this. I hated the Bills uh, before this. But I, for some reason, I still felt compelled to see the happening. I still felt like I need... To see the happening. What is the happening? What what's happening? I want to know. I gotta go. So I went with my girlfriend at the time and my, my best friend at the time, and we went and see the movie. And uh, and it was like the same thing. Where but it was weird. It was like we started. We all as an audience. It was packed. It was probably opening weekend, and we were watching it. And like the beginning happens, and like the the, the people found the bodies. And like, ooh, what's going on? And then pretty quickly. And I've never seen this happen in the movie before since or before. The audience totally turned on the movie. Like during the movie, what one guy, and one guy, I mean me, started laughing at the movie. And then it made another guy laugh at the movie. It made another guy. And it kind of spread much like the evil suicide pollen of the happening. Where it was a trickle, but then by... Halfway through the movie, the audience was in uproarious laughter. Like everyone was just like, "Oh, we're gonna laugh." It's okay. Like we're not rude. We're not the ones laughing alone. Like the whole theater is laughing. We're all gonna treat this like a comedy now. And the whole theater, for the rest of the movie, just was like, uh, "It was like as if it was like a crazy comedy." Where there was like, like I laughed hard laughter for the whole rest of the movie. Like the last fifty minutes, it was just people laughing and laughing and heckling started and people started heckling and nobody minded the heckling it made more heckling and it became like a true Times square type like old style Times square audience of like people yelling and heckling and <laughs> throwing popcorn and laughing and it was just sort of like that great it was actually a great one of the great theater experiences very memorable of like the first 15 20 minutes were all like oh what you know are we scared no is this shitty I don't want it to be because I spent fifteen dollars. But yeah, I guess it is kind of shitty. And it's like, oh, okay, that guy's laughing. Okay, I'll laugh. Okay, that guy's yelling at the screen. He won't mind me yelling at the screen. And it just became this like violent, hilarious audience. We're just like, and we all left just sort of like holding each other, being like, what an experience that was. Let's go see that movie again someday. That movie's t- it was like a Rocky Horror Picture Show audience or something. It was it was a whole. I've never, I've never had a movie where an audience split the switch like that, ever. Never, ever have I seen a movie. Have you ever seen a movie where that happened, where like you're trying to take it seriously, you're trying to hold on to it, and then it just doesn't work, and everyone's like, "Fuck it." No, <laughs> not, not, not to that degree. <laughs> it went wild. Cl- it was amazing. The closest thing I could think of was I'm uh, in New York at the uh, my favorite movie theater, which I hope is still there on 68th and Broadway. Yes, the theater from uh, Lazy Sunday. <laughs> 68th and Broadway. Step on it, sucker. Uh, I'm going to swatch Marie Antoinette. This group of girls is sitting next to me, and we end up talking about movies. And things are going well with the, the girl sitting right next to me. It's got some good vibes going on. The movie ends, and not just the girls next to me, but everyone else, as soon as like the screen cuts to black, they just jump just bolt up out of their chairs and exit the theater <laughs> in a quick, orderly fashion because that no one in that theater dug that movie. I love that movie. Except for me. I like That's that movie. That's my favorite movie first. 
Really? It really is. My favorite is Lost in Translation. Well, that's the obvious choice. Yeah. We'll do the Sofia Coppola podcast. Oh. We'll, we'll discuss. Oh, that's absolutely. But, uh, that's uh, just called I, my life. <laughs> that's <laughs> So, yeah. Was, yeah, but watching an audience, what was interesting because it was really thematically felt like the movie itself because it's like you have a whole audience of people that all of a sudden freeze and then act differently than what he intended <laughs> and, uh, and turn into this crazy, violent hostile but fun-loving audience not really the same thing but uh so when grindhouse came out the uh rodriguez tarantino double feature movie mm-hmm. and it bombed hard at the box office and i saw that uh on my birthday because it was like oh shit there's actually a movie i want to see and it's a double feature two movies in person one so i went and saw that but I was the only one that did, so then I took some friends with me to go back and watch it again <laughs> so this thing could make some money. It was playing at the Dollar Theater, Dollar Theater at the mall, and so I took some friends to go see it so it could make some more money. And the Dollar Theater audience was the right audience. They were, like, hooting and hollering. That's a true grindhouse and audience. They were, and they were yelling at the screen, especially for <laughs> Death Proof. It was like great. It was like that was the experience that like Tarantino was thinking of when he, uh, you know, uh, masterminded this grindhouse thing. Which I really like. I really like the whole thing. Uh, me too. And you me haven't too. seen great. it since the theater, and you can only watch it on Blu-ray as its entire thing. Mm-hmm. You should do that. The, but the craziest audience I ever saw before to make this episode even longer, uh, was when I saw Happy Gilmore opening day. Opening day at the mall. It was a Friday afternoon, and some, and we all convinced our parents to just drop us off at the mall and just be like, yeah, go see this movie. Whatever, you're 13, it's fine. And uh, so the theater was only 13-year-old boys, like with no parents. There was no one younger nor older. Actually, though, I think my two younger brothers came with me, so like they were younger than 13, so I was the guardian then. And that was the rowdiest audience I've ever seen in my life, where people straight up were so loving the movie so much they were doing laps around the audience. Like they were just like running, jumping on the seat, like people just doing like stage dives, like on strangers and just throwing stuff at the screen. It was like, it was like very much like the end of Gremlins and they're watching Snow White. Like it was like <laughs> that kind of audience of just people losing their minds because they loved the movie so much and they thought Happy Gilmore was the greatest thing they had ever seen at that point in their life. And like, I, like it was just to the point where someone didn't rip the seat out of the theater. Like I was waiting for someone just to rip the bolts <laughs> of the seat. It was like that, just a shred close to that. It didn't quite get to that, but it was close. It was so close. Like people, like I've never, like it really was like the, like it's what a movie going experience should be, which is like this kind of communal we're feeling something together. We're working through this together in the way that we want to. It's like a, just a weird, you know, way of camaraderie. And that screen of the happening was very much like that, where we all were like, okay, you know, we paid money. We're here. We drove here. We brought our dates here. Yes, this movie's terrible, but you know what? We got to just enjoy ourselves. We just got to work through this together. We just got to like, let's all just not get mad at each other. We'll laugh at it. We'll heckle the screen. And it's, just, it's fine. I mean, it's not it's often. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's not okay often that. And we're going to do it together. It's not often that happens with, with a major studio movie. Like, sure, it happens with, like, Room and Birdemic. Yeah. You know, Troll 2. Yeah. But, like, a $48 million movie being yeah. treated like a Mr. Science Theater 3000 movie. Like, that is 
not doesn't happen often. Because usually when big movies are bad, they're just boring. They're just bad. You're like, oh, that movie was it's like it's bad. Boring. Who cares? Man, you know, you but that, forget about it. Five but the later. fun of that, the fun of that, and so in a way, it's the most successful Shyamalan movie since Unbreakable <laughs> because it's like the audience loved it in a different way. Like we all came out in a way great. Like we all were like, that was a great day at the movies. That was a memorable day at the movies. It wasn't the way you intended to be, but gosh, we all had a good time. It's still, I mean, this thing still rents at the video store. Yeah, like when we tried to take this home to watch it, uh, it was rented. Yeah, and then when I tried to get it again, it was both. We have two copies, both rented again. So people are still watching that movie constantly. And so Lady Tay returned it, and I was like. Oh, I just watched. I just watched the happening, and all she gave me was a long, like, <laughs> reaction, like just like a goofy laugh. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, nobody's renting it, being like, dude, that movie was really good. That was really scary. It's like we all, like, it's kind of reached a cult status of like you watch this movie, like you get high with your friends, or you get a group of people who've never seen it, and you have a fun time with this movie. It is that so bad it's good, which I don't like. Usually, like, I don't usually like. I feel if it's good, it's good, you know? Like, like if you like it, yeah. then it's a good movie. But no, this is not a good movie. But I do enjoy it. Every I've seen this movie yeah. probably five times now, Whoa. and every time I really yeah, enjoy this, the experience. This is only the second time <laughs> I've seen this movie, though I had a really good memory of what of what happened in it. Yeah, man. It's, it, it's strange. And, and also the title, The Happening, a terrible title. He yeah, something happened. To, the happening. Good job. It's, it could literally <laughs> like, describe. Your movie's like that's the best thing. Uh, a thing that happened. The event. I know the the, the thing is a better movie title. The thing is a more accurate title than the happening. The happening could be anything. It happened. It should have just been called it. M Night Shyamalan's. It happens. <laughs> but it's it's just so. Bland. And the only. Work. It doesn't work, and the only long-lasting thing of the title happening is it inspired the fappening, the uh, when all the uh, f- photos were leaked of all the naked. Uh, oh yeah, all the naked celebrities. And they refer to that as the fappening, which is a direct reference to the happening. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, apparently, so that's that's, that's a new slang for masturbating. Yeah. Which, so that that's was... how you know I'm old because I don't know the new slang for <laughs> masturbating. So that so that's like the long lasting legacy of the happening is that people still run it and giggle <laughs> to it, and then it referred to some masturbation slang for when all these celebrities' photos were leaked on the internet once. There you go. <laughs> so, so we're, we're uh, so moving into that's it. I so I feel like this is sort of to me this is the end of a chapter for Shep for him. Like yes. for Shemla, this is like you, you you had your your humble beginnings. You had your the highest highs, and now we've hit the lowest low. It's like, but the, it still meant something. It still was like we're seeing the new M Night Shyamalan movie. M Night Shyamalan is the happening. Yeah, and this is sort of the last of that for a while. We'll get back to that many episodes later, but this is going to start a whole different sort of yeah. This uh, is like track, the track for so Shemalan. far. This you know I don't know chapter one. It's the like the rise and fall of the auteur. Yeah, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. When we all. Like, yeah, that's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. He's a director of note. We all know his name, which is insane that M. Night Shyamalan is a household name. Still, that, is, still that, is. That non-cineast uh, people no. know yeah. 
Like this she, director. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock, John Carpenter, Steven Spielberg, Simon West, Dan Shyamalan, and Jan de Bach. And Jan de Bach. And a Spike Lee joint. Yeah. But now his movies move into bad movie podcast territory. Bad movie podcast and just sort of bloated Hollywood and just sort of like weird gun for hire and just like passionless projects. And it's like, I'm sort of not looking forward to the next movies, but at the same time, very much looking forward to because all of the next movies I've only seen ever once. I feel And uh, uh, it'll be interesting to kind of look at it in terms of sort of like the big picture. Uh, Yeah. Like this will be the next. And like, I, and like, and then this luckily will be our final chapter because then things do change later on, which we'll get to when we get to those episodes. But yeah, this is this. The, we're about to get into what they refer to as the dregs. <laughs> this is really this. It's gonna get worse, people. Like if you haven't seen these movies before and you're following along, like it's gonna get rough. It's it's like this is gonna be some bad bad times. It gets to be and, to uh, the point where to when you knew. <laughs> You knew the M. New M. Night Shyamalan movie was coming out. And you knew not to, to go point, see it. <laughs> to the was... point of, like, hey, remember that movie After Earth from, like, three years ago? That was an M. Night Shyamalan yeah. movie. Like, We're going to get a lot of, like, that was him? So, but but before we even get into that, where the next episode is the movie Devil, Devil. which he just wrote. He just wrote. It was, it was um, part one of the Night Chronicles. And what was part two and three? They didn't have <laughs> We're still waiting. Yeah, but this was like kind of the devil was not the devil, just devil. Devil. Yeah. Sorry. Sort of like a response to the happening where, like, okay, like Shaman, we don't want to see your face in these movies, so he steps back. He doesn't. The writing. Yeah, he doesn't have a cameo. I've never seen it. I'm very excited. He doesn't have a cameo in the happening, and they're like, well, no, we, but he did. He well, yeah, he had his, but he didn't have like we didn't see his face. He, you know, he didn't have a major part. He didn't show up and tell Mark Wahlberg how to yeah, yeah. do math or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, Shaman, we don't like your movies. We don't like your directing. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna step back even further. Just write this movie. Someone else is going to direct yeah. it, but it was still like the Night Chronicles. I have seen Devil. It's it's an interesting Twilight Zoney movie. Uh, the way that the happening should have been a twenty minute Twilight Zone episode. It would have been not one of the good ones, <laughs> but no one would have a you know strong Daily such strong yeah. wild feelings yeah. towards it. Yeah, so we will. Uh, be back Devil for, for November. For this Devil. will be your Thanksgiving meal. Yeah. So before we go, if you happen to be in Austin for Video Store Day, which is Saturday, uh, October twenty first, uh, which is very exciting. And Come October. to Vulcans. We uh, I won't be there, but AJ will be there. I will be there, and uh, we will have a raffle, and we'll, we will have fun. And so it's just a day to celebrate. You know your local video store if you have if you're fortunate Please, enough to have one. Yeah. So we are going to have a raffle with lots of cool prizes from local businesses. We are uh, probably going to have a lot of uh, special things going on. Uh, maybe some sales. You know we will have a special mid month amnesty. So if you have late fees, oh yeah, that's we right. will we that, will yeah. slash those in half for you, no matter what the fee is. Yeah, I mean, and we will. Likely, very, very likely, uh, we will have free beer there. We always uh, had. We'll see. We always had. We yeah. are we are working on the beer, so hopefully <laughs> we can lock that down so yeah. we can all have a gay old time like the Flintstones. Um, <laughs> and yeah. how can they uh, find our podcast? Or, uh, you know, so uh, you can subscribe to us, and please do. 
if you're still with us, if you're with us for the happening, like you're set, man. <laughs> you're, you're in set, it for man. if you've made it this far, you you're in it for the long run. It means yeah. you don't think we're annoying and you're just gonna keep going. Yeah, we're, so we're uh, uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or uh, iTunes as it was formerly known. Uh, rate and review us if you like what you hear. It, uh, that's the best way for podcasts to uh, get out there, uh, is what other podcasts tell me when they tell me to rate and review their podcasts. <laughs> so uh, we are also on Stitcher Radio, where you can stream us totally free. And we have our website, The M Night Shift, uh, where you can stream or download the episodes. We're on Twitter, at The M Night Shift. We've got some pretty cool Twitter followers that interact with us occasionally, and then I forget to log into the account for a month at a time, <laughs> so I apologize if I am late. We're old! We don't do these things If I'm late in responding <laughs> to you, uh, um, yeah, I'm not good at the abbreviated messages, because I don't like using internet slang. I, I will not type you for the word you. No. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you can interact with us uh, on Twitter, and, cool. and I, I will try to to interact back. So thanks, thanks. for sticking with yeah, us. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sitting through the happening. If you did, hopefully you uh, had the reaction of Brian's audience. <laughs> <laughs> and for those few people who I've never met who really act like this movie, I would love to hear about why you think it's actually great. Yes. Yeah. I'm curious what you would get out of it as a human being. That's always good. There's lots to be, I mean, with every, with every movie, with Marie Antoinette, there's, uh, there's us two guys. That, I love that movie. That really like that movie. Most people Best. don't. Uh, we've got our reasons. Always, <laughs> willi- always willing to share opinions on movies, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if you actually legit like The Happening think it's a good solid movie let us know why and uh yeah so we can know all right thank you uh for listening to this long right. podcast thank you and, and uh, have a very very uh, spooktacular shocktober ooh. all right goodbye <laughs>